This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Open your Bibles with me. Let's go to the first book of Thessalonians, the first letter to the church in Thessalonica, chapter number four. We've been in a series called Upside Down. Uh, and for those of you who are uh, unfamiliar with this subject uh, or unfamiliar with the topic or the theme that we are talking about, uh, we get this phrase upside down from Acts chapter 17, where Paul and uh, Timothy and, you know, this, this gang of people that God had, had ordained and put on their hearts to go take the gospel to the city called Thessalonica, they walk into the city and people recognize them immediately. They recognize them as bearers of the gospel that, that walked into Philippi and all other places and they bombarded the city with the grace and the message of grace and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They saw the exploits that were done there, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the, the transformational power of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and all things considered, they looked at them and said, or they looked at people around in, in, the, in the city of Thessalonica, and they said, these same guys that turned their world upside down is here in our city to do the same. There were red flags that went flying, and uh, people were aware uh, that, that these gentlemen that went and turned worlds upside down for Jesus Christ were in their city. Over this series, we've been discussing about how God equips you and me as today's Pauls and today's Silas's to go into our cities, into our jobs, into our surroundings to turn our world upside down. Uh, we have been through four chapters and we're concluding chapter number four. And we have two more weeks of this series. Uh, we're, we're coming to a grand finale very soon. Uh, and the first part of chapter number five is what uh, the six people next Sunday will be teaching us from. But this Sunday, we want to finish off chapter number four. And this is what verse number 13 says. We stopped at verse 12 last week. We're going to go to 13 till verse 15. And I'm reading from the ESV, so follow with me. This is what the Bible says. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of the Lord, of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Father, would you speak to us through this word? I pray, God, that your word will come in power and in might, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will reveal yourself to us in strength, in power, and I pray, God, that we will see your hand move in our lives through this word and through the functioning of this word, and I pray that this word will come alive and active, and it will be transformational in our lives. So thank you for your word, 
And I pray, God, that you will continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. Pray for me this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, allergies have like struck me and allergies have struck our home. And, you know, once the girls get the allergies, we get the allergies and it's just crazy. So, so keep me in prayers this morning as I bring the word. Uh, death is a topic that everyone seems to avoid, but almost everyone has an opinion about it. Uh, death is inevitable. Death is something that comes knocking on every family's door, every life, uh, young or old. We're always told that life is not guaranteed for any of us. We all live fragile lives that are wrapped up in this, in this existence of ours that we live in our time that God has ordained for us. And Paul is addressing the church in Thessalonica, a church that has been so much affected by the culture and trying to speak life over them and saying, I don't want you to be misinformed. This is not the first time that Paul is actually teaching the church in Thessalonica and debunking some myths or debunking wrong theology that was probably taught to them or wrong practices that were taught to them. This was something that was not ancient to them. But in verse number 13, he begins by saying, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. When we, when we read that word asleep, he's basically talking about the people that died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You know, the church had some kind of wrong teachings that they absorbed from culture about what would happen to people once they died or, or what would happen to their loved ones once they passed away. A lot of people in that culture did not have hope. A lot, of culture, a lot of people in that culture that was outside of the Christian walk were people that believed that, that, that finality was finality. There was no life after death. And a very good example of this could have, could have been found in a typical grave inscription that you would found, find on a tombstone. And it would read like this, four lines. I was not, I became... I am not, I care not. Very popularly, a lot of people back in that time and that age in Greek, in those Greek times, in, in the times that the, Thess the church in Thessalonica was alive and prospering and thriving, were people that really did not believe that there was life after death. There was, there was the gospel of hope did not make any sense to them. Paul is actually coming in and talking about the blessed hope that the Christian has in when, when they live their life in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, man, I don't want you to be uh, without hope. A lot of people were wondering what's going to happen to their loved ones. Are they going to be gone forever? Or are they going to be alive? Are they going to have, are they going to meet them again? Are they going to see them again? And Paul is like, man, I don't want you to buy into culture or what culture has to tell you or what society has to tell you. I want to clear some stuff myself. So here I am, I'm going to give you five truths about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So he lays to them five truths. He doesn't count it to them and say one, two, three, four, five. But over the next few verses, as we understand this passage, we're going to understand how Paul breaks this up into five pieces. So if you're taking down notes, we're going to be studying about the five truths about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The gospel message... Or the message of Jesus Christ is not complete without you and I understanding and knowing fully that Jesus is coming back soon. 
Because Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus promised, because I live, you shall live also. The hope for the Christian, the hope for Christianity, lies in the fact that there is a hope for tomorrow. There is a hope for your, 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 your tomorrow, and, and you know that no matter what happens, eternity is guaranteed for every Christian. Truth number one that Paul wants the church in Thessalonica to know is this truth that of God's truth, a revelation. Thank you, Luke. It's a revelation of God's truth, all right? A revelation of God's truth. Point number one, there are five R's that I'm going to leave with you today. The first R is revelation. You know, people have tried to explain the afterlife in many ways. Society tries to explain the afterlife, excuse me. If you think about Hollywood, if you think about uh, the occult, uh, there's so much that the world tries to do to explain the afterlife. Uh, you know, the, the Hollywood is really good at telling us about aliens and uh, how there, there's uh, a day coming where aliens are going to come and invade the earth and we all are just going to disappear. And uh, I feel in my heart that everybody knows that there is this, there's this thing called uh, eternity and, and Jesus is coming back. In fact, there was a study that was done uh, not too long ago where Greg Laurie in his book says that 65% of all Americans believe that Jesus is actually coming back. Because of a lot of historical evidence that is out there, even if they're Christian or not, 65% of Americans believe that Jesus is coming back. People have these weird connotations about the afterlife. They've tried to explain the afterlife, but it goes back to the revelation of God's truth. For us to understand the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, for us to understand that Jesus is coming back, it's not in data, it's not in facts, it's not in polls, it has to go back to the, to the truth that is mentioned in the word of God. And what does the word of God say? In verse number 15, he says this, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. He says, we're not making this up. We're not conjuring stuff up. We're not making this, this story or this illusion of the second coming of Jesus. He's saying everything that I'm about to tell you or the proof that I'm about to give you comes from the word of God. He says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Paul bases his arguments on the word of God. Divine revelation always trumps human speculation. No matter what human speculation is, no matter how human beings try to describe things, no matter how human beings try to write off things, it, it always comes down to what is the word of God revealed to me about this particular subject? What is the word of God revealed to me about this particular topic? And Paul says, I don't want you to be misinformed. What I'm about to teach you, what I'm about to tell you about the second coming of Jesus is not some weird connotation that I have, but it's something that is based on the word of God. It is so important for us to go into the word of God to study many things. It's just not about the second coming of Jesus, but it's about everything. I don't want us to be misinformed. Just like Paul is talking about the second coming. I, I want to encourage each one of you to study the word of God, to go into the word of God. I pray that the word of God will reveal itself to you in many matters. In my ministry, I have a lot of people that come up to me and say, Pastor, what do you think about this? Or what is your opinion about this? What is this? What is that? What is this? And I always ask them, have you taken time to actually go back into the word of God? Have you studied the word yourself? 
Have you taken a moment to pause and understand as to what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you from that particular passage? Paul says, man, what I am about to declare to you is a word from the Lord, and I don't want to do it any other way. The reason we are a Bible-based, a Bible-teaching church is exactly that reason, is that we don't want to make any declarations from this stage. We don't want to make any practices or promote any practices that are outside of the word of God. So the first truth about the second coming of Jesus is that it is a revelation straight from God. It is from the word of God. It is from heaven. It is from his mouth. It is from God's mouth. And because it is from his mouth, it is true. It is valid. And in a few moments, we're going to explore that. The second R or the second truth that Paul is trying to explain is this in verse number 14 and 15. We're going to read it again. But the second R is return. The second truth is that Jesus is going to return. Verse number 14, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. In verse number 14, the Bible is saying, man, the resurrection of Jesus is connected to our resurrection. It is tied in together. If you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you have no grounds to believe that Jesus is coming back for you and you are going to be resurrected with him. Am I talking to somebody? It is tied in. The Bible talks about that. And he says, these, these go hand in hand. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He says, one is tied to the other. If you believe that God has called you and God has risen you up from the dead, you have to believe the other way too. Where You have to believe that Jesus rose up from the dead too. It's vice versa. If you believe that Jesus rose up, you will believe that you will rise up. If you believe that you will rise up one day, you inadvertently believe that Jesus rose up from the grave. You know, the Bible talks about that and he says... We mourn, but not as those who have no hope. You know, death is inevitable. We talked about that. Death happens to every single person. Some of y'all have probably lost a loved one over the last few years. It could be this last year. It could be over the last few months. I've been to so many funerals in 2020, uh, in 2021. It's hard to keep count. But death comes knocking at everybody's door. There are people in this church right now that have lost loved ones over the last few weeks, over the last few months. It's hard. It's difficult. But as we study the word of God, we have to remember that we have a hope of resurrection and we have a hope in glory because Jesus has promised that he is coming back for us. And because of that imminent return, he's saying, man, I'm going to come back for you. You have a hope. You have a hope of glory that nobody else has. And we'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to run through point number one and point number two because I want to spend time on point number three. And the third truth is this is that the third R is resurrection. He says the dead in Christ will rise. The Bible says in verse number 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Do you know that the moment that we die, our spirit ascends to God and it stays there till the second coming? There are a lot of Christians that do not know that, that do not believe that. I know a majority of y'all sitting over here, and this morning I'm using this moment to teach. There's so many misunderstandings. There's a lot of teachings that are so wrong. There are two teachings that we'll talk talk to you about soul sleep, where they'll they'll say if a a Christian dies, their, their soul is sleeping till Jesus decides to raise you up one more time. There's another wrong teaching of the purgatory. I'm pretty sure you've heard of the term purgatory where where the soul goes to pay all its unpaid transgressions uh, for, for a period of time. And both of these claims have no biblical backing whatsoever. And that's why Paul wants to clear the air and say, man, it's important to understand what happens to those that are in Christ and how the afterlife and how going the eternity has an impact and influence upon their lives. So what is the biblical view? After we die, what's going to happen? The Bible talks about you and me as believers and says, man, we have been justified fully. When you and I were saved, when you and I accepted Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, the Bible says we have been justified. Our salvation was guaranteed where he paid it in full. When the believer dies, he or she is transitioned into the presence of God. When you and I die, when you and I breathe our last breath, you and I can be assured as a Christian, as a believer, you and I have the hope that we are going right into the presence of God because that is where the Christian or the believer belongs. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, yes, we are of good courage and we would be rather away from the body and at home with the Lord. Or in other words, I would be absent in the board, to be absent in the body, body is to be present with the Lord. He's saying we all know what's going to happen when we die. You know, very recently, a while ago, a friend of mine died. And of course, when somebody, uh, sorry, a friend of, uh, 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 the wife of a friend of mine, uh, he, he lost his wife. And, uh, you know, we all know somebody that's lost somebody. And, and when they do, what do you usually go to them and tell them? You, you, you actually go up to them and say, hey, I'm so sorry that you lost so-and-so. And I did the same thing. I went up to them, and no matter how much you pray, and no matter how much they know you pray, you want to sympathize with them. And I said, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I heard you lost your wife. And he got back to me, and he said, Ashish, you can't lose something if you know where it is. He said, I've not lost my wife. I know exactly where she is. She is in heaven. And I'm like, wow, preach to me. Preach to the pastor right now, right? It was crazy, but, but I, had to, I had to think about it twice. I had to pause for a second, and I was like, man, can I even say that? Because you lose something that you can't find. But here's my thing. My God found me even before I was lost. My God gave me a life even before. He he knew my purpose. He knew the plans in my life. He said, man, I'm giving you life and life and eternal. And because I am alive, you are alive as well. I know as a matter of fact that every person that I've lost, it could be my grandmother, it could be my uncles, it could be my aunts, it could be my mother, my father, whoever you have lost today you might think that you have lost them but let me tell you you can only lose something that you can't find but let me tell you something Jesus Christ has found them already he is they are in the bosom of the Lord Almighty they are they are sanctified they are redeemed they are risen up and they are in his presence enjoying the presence of the Lord Almighty 
I know where she is. She's not lost. I pray that a lot of you would be encouraged this morning knowing that you have not lost somebody. In fact, every loss that you go through in your life, remember, God has found them. They have met their appointment with God. What about those that were not in Christ, Ashish? Those who have rejected Christ, and here's the thing. Can I be honest here? This is not going to be popular, progressive Christianity message. It's not going to be the message that prosperity gospel preachers will preach about. It's not the messages that you will probably hear because everybody wants to keep people, not turn people away. But here is the truth of the Bible. And the truth is this, that those who have rejected Christ and those who have not given Christ an opportunity will be turned to a place called Hades. A place of torment, a place of pain, where they will be rejected and sent away. Because if you have given, if you had been given the opportunity to accept Jesus and you rejected Jesus time after time after time, there's only one place, and the Bible talks about it in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible says the rich man cried in torment. You know, there's, there are two judgments that people would have to go through. One is the judgment that people would have to go through if they are in Christ Jesus. And there's another judgment that people would have to go through if they're not in Christ Jesus. They've rejected Christ Jesus. There's this great white throne of judgment in front of God, and then there's this final judgment that you know, that, that, that you and I or, or, or people that are outside, the, the great white throne of judgment is, is where you and I would have to approach the presence of God and where we would be rewarded for all the things that we have done in our time on the earth. But then there is this other final judgment that would happen where, where people that were far away from the Lord will have to be answerable to the Lord. It's the truth. It's not popular. This will, be, this will be the second death that people don't like to hear about, but it is true. It's inevitable. And I'm praying and I'm asking if there's somebody that does not know Jesus in this place. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus today, it is important, it is pertinent that you and I walk in a relationship with Jesus for those that are in Christ Jesus, that are bought, saved by the blood of the Lamb, you and I can be guaranteed that you and I will be taken with him in the time when he comes back again. And we'll talk about that in a second. But why will those people be judged? Because in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 4, the Bible says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You know, sometimes we, we, we just dismiss sin oftentimes. You sin against God first when you actually sin against your brother. Our sins that will be played in front of us is our sins that were committed against God. And David says that. He says, Lord, I have not sinned against my brother. I've actually sinned against you. And every sin that we have done against God that we have not asked for forgiveness for is going to be counted against us. The Bible says the books will be open. You can't blame anybody at that point in time. 
You can't blame dad or mom or cousin or auntie or grandmother or grandfather. You can't blame anybody at that point in time. It is a time between you and God. The Bible says, for, for the ones who do not follow Jesus Christ, death will have the final word. But for the believer, there is no second death. Death will not have the final word. Jesus will have the final word. Grace will have the final word. Mercy will have the final word. The blood of Jesus that wipes away all the sin and makes us justified in the presence of God will have the final word. And my question to you as you're sitting here today is who will have the final word in your life? You know, so many of us fear death because we don't know what's going to happen after we die. But can I give you a word of promise this morning? For all that are in Christ Jesus. You are guaranteed for all of you that have confessed your sin and you have said, Lord, to you I give you my life, God. There's this distinction between Lazarus and the rich man and, and, and God looks at you and me that I've washed and sanctified in the blood of Jesus and says, man, there's no other place you would rather be but in my presence. I'll be in the presence of God. I don't know about you. I hope I will see you there. I hope I will meet you there. I hope we will rise up together when Jesus comes back for his church. What would that look like? I'm going to read this passage in its entirety, but I want you to follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 35 to 49. Uh, the verse will be shown up on the screen, but I want you to follow with me. Uh, But someone will ask, how are the dead? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, a seed, perhaps a wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he chooses. To each kind of seed, its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. Verse 40, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differs from star, uh, from star in glory, for is it with the resurrection of the dead? So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Listen to this. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. It is so what is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown in the natural body is raised in the spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural and then the spiritual. Verse 47, the first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man from dust, so are also who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those of heaven. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. I know it's, it's a lengthy passage, but this is the reality of who you and I will be 
in the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about it and it says a dead body will be like a seed that's in the ground. It will be a dead seed. It will be a seed that is buried. But nobody sees a flower that's going to blossom from that. And he says, though the seed is your dead, is the body that is dead. The flower that comes out of it will be a glorified body. You and I will have new glorified bodies. When Jesus comes back for you and for me, when we are risen up with Jesus, man, we're not going to have the flaws that we have today. We're not going to have the pains that we have today. There's going to be no more sorrow or no more cancer or no more COVID or no more colds or no more allergies. It will be a new body. That makes me feel good. I won't be rounded anymore. I will be chiseled. Some of y'all are going to be like, Pastor Osher, is that you? Is that really you? I'm going to be like, "Mm mm-hmm. I'm going to have a full set of hair, right, Chris? This is not who I really am, y'all. I'm not excited about this. I'm excited about what God will reveal through me. I'm excited about that day. Who I am will be who I will be when God reveals himself through me. I don't care about the flaws in my life today. I don't care about the things that I'm not good at or the things that I'm good. It doesn't matter. All of that is irrelevant. What matters is the day of glory when Jesus comes back for me, when the dead in Christ are risen up. And a lot of people say, hey, brother, what happens, happens to those people that were cremated? Here's here's what I think, right? If God made you from dust, he can bring you back from ashes. It doesn't matter. Don't care. There's nothing impossible for my God. Some people say, "Can can, can we recognize people in heaven? Yes. The Bible says Peter, James, and John was on the Mount of Transfiguration and they recognized Elijah and Moses. I'm going to recognize y'all. I'm going to get to worship God with you guys. I'm not going to be preaching that day. Some of y'all are like, thank God. But I'm not going to be preaching that day. We're all going to be worshiping God. I cannot wait for the day that we will be rejoicing with our master, y'all. Oh, it gives me so much joy. Because at that day of resurrection, there are three sounds the Bible says that we're going to hear. The shout of the Lord. The shout of authority. The same Jesus that stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come out. The shout of the Lord. We will hear it from the heavens when he will say, everyone that is dead in Christ, come up. Come out of the grave. Those who are alive will join very soon after that. But the shout of the Lord is what you and I will have to respond to. The second sound is the sound of the trumpet. Man, that sound is good. Because you hear a trumpet sound, or, or back in the day, they heard a trumpet sound when everybody was getting ready to gather for a journey. They would call everybody together and say, hey, we're ready to go. Right? That trumpet sound. Or if they were ready for war or if, to, to announce the arrival of a great person, this trumpet sound will be all of that put together. Am I talking to somebody? And the Bible says the voice of an archangel. The Bible specifically talks about Michael being the archangel in the Bible, but uh, the book of Daniel talks about more archangels, so we're not sure who the archangel is. 
But the Bible says there is an imminent return of Jesus and then there is the resurrection of Jesus where the dead in Christ will rise first. What happens when Jesus comes back on the second coming? Everybody that was dead in Christ will rise up first. It doesn't matter about their mortal bodies. It doesn't matter if they were mummified or not. It doesn't matter if they have, you know, if the bones are still in. It doesn't matter. They're going to get new bodies. They're going to get spiritual bodies. They will be raised up first, and then we will be called with them. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that it's in my time. But if it's not in my time, I pray that God will come back soon. Jesus will come back soon, and his church will be joined with him very, very soon. The fourth R that I want to talk to you about is rapture. Paul talks about it where the living believers will be caught up in verse number 17, when we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. The word rapture is not explicitly in the Bible. It's not a word that we take exactly from the Bible, but it's from this word called raptus, which means to carry off. But the word used over there is that we will be caught up with him. The word caught up is this word harpazo, harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O, it's not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, it's harpazo, which literally means to be plucked or to seize or to take by force. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52, the Bible says this is going to happen so quick. You know the phrase used over there is it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. How fast does, does it take for you to shut your eye and open it, right? The twinkling of eye is, is actually uh, to, to go in deep into it, which I don't want to go because it's, it's too much to actually go, and I don't understand it myself, but it's so fast. It's, it's almost like saying it's within a micromillisecond, so fast that all of this is going to happen. Will the unbelievers even know that it happened? Probably not. But everybody that is in Christ will be taken up with him, man. And I pray that we will be one among that number when, when, when Jesus comes back for his church. But what's more exciting than this rapture where he will bring people up with him is, is this fifth point, which is the reunion, where in verse 17, it says, so we will always be with the Lord. The reunion is the forever with the Lord. This reunion is not your high school reunion where you meet after 10 years and you say hi to everybody, you tell them what you're doing and walk away the next day and don't see them again for the next 10 years. The Bible says this reunion will be, the, will be the reunion that we have been anxiously anticipating, that we have been waiting for, and this is the reunion that was promised to us, and the question to each one of us is, are you ready? There's not much time, and I know that we've been hearing this over the years, but there's not much time ready. We're not promised a tomorrow. To each one of y'all sitting over here, I am not promised a tomorrow. Sonia's not promised a tomorrow. Each one of you, you're not promised a tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen, but I know one thing. For those that are in Christ Jesus, we will be with Jesus the moment we breathe our last. Like I said earlier, there are going to be two judgments. Which one are you ready for? Two judgments. Judgment number one is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is the one that all believers 
Immediately after rapture, the moment rapture happens, right after that, we will have to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. What does that mean? It's where every Christian and every believer will stand in front of Christ and, and, and we will give an account for everything we did and God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Where your crowns will be handed over to you, where your rewards and your accolades will be handed over to you. That judgment seat of Christ is a judgment seat that I am waiting for, y'all. Do not go after the accolades of the world. Forget the lights, forget the stages that this world has to offer. The question that you and I need to ask ourselves is when everything is said and done, is there one person that's clapping for me? The famed football coach, Lou Little, recounts of the story of this young boy that used to play on his football team. This young boy would never miss a practice session. He would always be there for every practice session. And he said, I also noticed one thing. His father would, would come with him and accompany him to every practice session that he had in high school. And he would, he would notice how his father would sit in the stands and observe his son play. And, you know, his, his, the father would just look to the yonder and look to the trees and enjoy the, the surroundings while all being there for his son. And as soon as practice was wrapped up after school, he would see how the son would go up to his father, literally hug his dad, have a moment with him, hold hands, and they would walk back to the car and they would leave. It's, he said, I would notice this day after day after day. He said, suddenly, all of a sudden, in a week, I, 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 didn't, see this. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see the father anymore. It's been a week that the boy would come to practice, but the father wouldn't show up. He said, I had no clue what was happening. And, and, and one day, he said, he asked the little boy, and the boy said, my father's ill. He's not feeling too well. Thinking that it was a, it was a momentary thing, and the father would be back soon. The coach didn't think too much into it. Went on about his daily business. The week after that, the coach receives a call from the boy's mother saying, Sir, I hate to break this bad news to you, but his father just died. His father just passed away. And he said, it will mean the world to him if you would allow him to come and attend his funeral and, and they, made, they made provisions for him to go and be with him at the funeral. And, and she said, I, I don't know if I can break this to him. And you might be the best person. You're his coach. He looks up to you. You might be the best person to tell him about this news. The coach broke the news to him, made arrangements for him to go to the funeral. And he talks about the week after where the young man finishes the funeral, comes back. Comes back to a game that they were about to play. One of the... One of, the most important games of the season. And mark my words, he was never a first stringer. This boy was always on, the, always on the bench, always just put in when needed. But at this very, that game, he looked, up, looked at the coach and said, Coach, would you please put me in? Would you please put me in? He said, it would work, mean the world to me if you put me in. The coach said, I didn't want to, but I had sympathy for him, and I really wanted to do something for him, and I wanted to be kind to him, and even though our season was on the line, I put him in anyway. He said, I saw how this young man who, would be a second, who was always a second stringer just transformed his game within one day, and he, became, he, he caught the game-winning touchdown. And immediately after the game was done, he had a conversation with him, and he went up to him and said, hey, man, 
congratulations. I never thought that you had that in you. But he said, I know what you did. I know that you did it for your dad. I know your dad is watching down for you and watching down on you. And the coach is telling him this. And, and, and the young man looked at him and said, coach, here's, here's something that you did not know about my dad. He said, you saw him come and sit in those stands day after day, week after week, observing my practice sessions. But what you did not see about my dad and what you did not experience and what you did not know about him was that he was blind. He had a disease in his eye that eventually ate him up that was cancerous and then eventually succumbed to. He said he never saw any of my games. After every practice session, he would come up to me, whisper to me, and say, son, I wish I could see you play, but I'm pretty sure you gave it your best. He said this would be the first day that my dad would see me playing because he's in the arms of Jesus. It's amazing what happens, y'all. It's amazing that when you and I are resolved to saying, I live for the audience of one. I don't care about the plaudits. I don't care about the applause. I don't care about the medals. I don't care about the awards that people give to me. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus has done in my life. Are you confident that when you and I stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, do you, are you confident that Jesus is going to be clapping for you and saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I care about, church. That's all Ashish cares about is that one day, the pastor's appreciation days and, and the, the blessings and the gifts and the awards and, and the appreciation, all of that is great and good and marvelous and kind of you. There's one thing I desire is that one day I'll stand in front of the judgment throne of Jesus and he will look at me and say, Ashish, you did what you were supposed to do. You ran your race. You fought your fight, and I'm not kidding you this morning. I can't tell this to you. I can't convince you, but that is the one thing that I cannot wait for is the day that I will stand in front of my Jesus, and he will give me his stamp of approval. And my question to you today is, are you ready for that day? Are you, because that's all that matters. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, there's another judgment, which is the white throne judgment day. We're all unbelievers after the thousand day rule and I wish I had time to break all of this down for you. But if you do not know Jesus today, you will have to stand before the white throne judgment of God. Where he will hold you accountable for every sin because you did not want to accept him and his salvation and today I have a message of hope, and that message of hope is that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for your sin and my sin, and he's given you free life. He's given you salvation. He's given you the biggest gift that anybody can ever give you, and man, please do not miss out on that opportunity if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching me online today, if you're sitting over here today, and if you've never given your life to Jesus today, today is your opportunity. Would you stand up to your feet, church? And in verse number 18, in verse number 18, the Bible says this, therefore, he concludes that passage, and he says, therefore, 
encourage one another with these words. Jeff, you know what that means? That literally means please tell one another, remind one another that Jesus is coming soon. Oh, we have a task. We have this huge task. We have this huge task of letting people around us know of Jesus. That there is salvation through his blood. That he is coming back for his church. That he's coming back for you and for me. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are guaranteed. And I promise to you today that you have life in Jesus Christ. That you will be with him. When he comes back for the church, that you will be a part of that number. He will call your name when the roll is called up yonder. Oh man, I wish I could break out in this song, but I can't sing. But when that roll is called up yonder, how many of you will be confident to say, I will be there? Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.